Hello, money makers and money savers. Welcome to the interview series, The Business of Business. I'm your host, Dustin Dubé, and this is Finance Fundamentals, the show where we learn how to stop working so hard for our money and learn how to make it work harder for you. This podcast is entirely based on my experiences and thoughts. I am not a financial advisor, and the thoughts and expressions you hear on this show are my own and are not reflective of my employers, past or present, nor my guests. I am not liable for investments that you make or strategies that you implement upon listening to my show. Now, back to the show. Hey friends, welcome back to Finance Fundamentals, the interview series, The Business of Business, where I interview unique industry experts and business owners to motivate, educate, and help you to chase your craft. Today's guest is Stephanie Dean, who runs a female-owned and operated business in Florida called Solar Plexus Consulting. We all know that we could use a little help when finding that next career or getting to the next level in our careers, and Stephanie has created a company to help us reach our goals. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back to Finance Fundamentals. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me again on Finance Fundamentals. This uh, weekend, I am talking to Stephanie Dean, the owner and founder of Solar Plexus Consulting. So Stephanie, thank you for being with me. Thank you so much for having me, Dustin. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about Solar Plexus. You're based out of Florida. However, that does not necessarily mean the span of your clients are only in Florida. You could work with anyone nationwide, potentially even globally. This is kind of a niche industry here. It's very important. I think a lot of us have various experiences throughout our lives and we don't know how to get a one-page resume done properly to get us to that next career point or into that association that we're trying to get to. I want to talk a little bit about your business, but first we got to take a, a step back and talk about what kind of got you here. So how did this come to be? And by doing that, we got to take a look at your upbringing and, and kind of entrepreneurial spirit, maybe, of your family life and your dynamics. So can you walk me through that a little bit? Absolutely. And it wasn't actually until you asked me that question where I was like, wow, I actually come from a family of entrepreneurs. And I was just like, it runs in my blood. Hadn't even really hit me until you asked me that. But yeah, I I was raised in a family business where my uncle, Chris, and my mother had ran a printing business for 12 years. And also their parents, which are my grandparents, also ran their own businesses. So it's just when I was growing up, that's kind of all I knew is you did your thing. You ran your business. You, I didn't know what nine to five was. My mom didn't work for a nine to five corporate job until I was 12. So with that said, like the nine to five thing and the corporate life was new to me around age 12. So just from more like an upbringing stance, I was kind of raised in that environment. Fast forwarding a little bit now to college is where I really started getting good at writing resumes. And it was mainly because I just got a lot of my own collegiate mentoring and I got a lot of help, went to my career advisor and I said, I am not getting what I need. I'm not getting my internships. I'm not getting whatever, like, how can I get help? And I've just always been very good about being resourceful and not just with the resumes, but just in life. I just, I always make phone calls. I'm always trying to get things done. And what that ends up doing is it educates you. And so I've learned a lot. And so this has been going on since about 2007 when I was in community college and I had my little community college resume. It was like way, way simpler than what I you know have now. But over the years, because I've just been very good about getting what I need, 
it's just grown from, okay, I got help from my community college, then I got help from my university, then I got help from my network, then my professional network, then my mentors. And now it's just turned into this whole thing of everybody's like, oh, she's really good at that. And I literally already have a following of people who just need my help. She's good at that. Let me call her up. And I'm like, hey, wait, this is not like my real job. This is just what I do for like, you know, being a nice person. So I, my joke is that I've been working in corporate for about eight years or so, but I've been working in this business for probably about 14 years total, technically. And where did you go to community college and undergrad? So community college was St. Petersburg College in St. Pete, Florida. And I went to university at uh, University of South Florida in Tampa. And were you a first generation college student? Yes. And so uh, first off, props to you for making the jump from community college to to university. I really think a lot of people should do that, to be honest. We have a big issue in this country with people jumping into a four-year university before they're ready. That's another conversation. But Uh, What was your family dynamic background, you know, were they supportive of you as you started this venture here as a as more of a side gig? My family's always been aware of the fact that I've done this in the background. I mean, it's been my joke since 2007. Everybody knows that if you know Stephanie, she's probably done your resume. It's just been a running joke with my family, my friends, and everybody I've come into contact with. It's a laughing matter at this point. So, but they've always been supportive. They've always said to me, you should start this as a business. You'd be really good at it. My first thought was, and how's that going to work? And you just have that fear, which stops you. And then you never do it. And then it wasn't until literally recently, my friend was like, okay, where's your credit card? We're going to be signing up for your LLC today. And we're going to put this transaction through on SunBiz. I'm, I'm not asking you we're, we're doing it. And I was like, well, you can't tell me to do that. Like, that's my credit card. He's like, I don't care. We need to get this going. Like, I have friends who are actually pushing me now to say, why haven't you done this? Because clearly you're good at it. Clearly it has potential. Clearly there's, you already have a following, like all these things. And now it's just a matter of why, why haven't you done this? Sounds like a very good friend. (laughs) (laughs) I told him last week, I said, thank you for kicking my butt. Were you always kind of good with writing and English growing up or what, what kind of got you to the point where you feel like you could get a I mean, there's one thing to be a writer. There's another thing to be a professional writer. There's a much different text basis in a resume versus a novel. You know, did you take some type of training as you've gone along or was this primarily just learning on the job? That's a really good question. And I think you'll be surprised by the answer because when I was actually in school, writing in English was one of my weaker subjects. So you'd probably be very surprised to hear that. And generally speaking, I didn't really get good grades in school. It wasn't until I actually got into the corporate world and I was required to write for a living. So I worked in the space called anti-money laundering, where it requires that you write narratives about financial crimes and investigations and stuff and a lot of reading and writing. And so that really pushed me that I didn't really have the skill set, but I had to develop it in order to, to just do well in my job. I feel like I've always had a good writing ability, just kind of, at least with the resume stuff, but I feel like my corporate experiences have really kind of pushed me to take it to that next level. And now I'm just really good at it. It always shows that you can move up. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the name of the business. You could have called yourself a million different things. It's always kind of difficult to come up with something that is catchy, unique. Solar Plexus, I looked it up. 
and I, I found kind of the meaning behind it, but I think it's really interesting. Can you talk a little bit about how you landed on that? I do want to say that coming up with the business name was, trust me, it was one of the hardest things that I had to do. I was ideating for weeks and just, maybe I should just use my name or maybe I should have this. And at one point I was like, it should be such and such resumes. I'm like, but then it's going to pigeonhole me. And I mean, you go through the whole corporate, you know, all your corporate experience comes into your head and you're like, wait, I can't do that because. So one afternoon I was just kind of Googling around. I'm like, this can't be that hard. I got to come up with something. A, it's got to be catchy. B, I don't want to tie it to my name because then it's going to limit me in the future. Just, I need to get a theme going is what I really need. And when I just started ideating, because I have a creative mind, I was like, okay, you've got the energy chakras, which I know not everybody's into yoga or stuff like that, but there's these different chakras and the solar plexus chakra actually resembles some of the things that it resembles is strength and confidence. And so my thought was, well, should you not be a confident person when you're applying for a job? And shouldn't you have the strength to know how to navigate that entire process and be confident when you're negotiating and have the strength to be able to have that conversation to come back with a counteroffer? You know, some people are just like, oh, should I negotiate this? What do you mean? Should you negotiate this? Yes. Have that confidence, you know? So for me, it was really, I guess, having that theme of like strength and confidence. I, and I don't want it to allude to, you know, I'm a yoga business. No, it's just the theme that I've tied into the resumes and you're really just the, the career consulting altogether. Yeah. And I actually, I did some research ahead of time and it says that you know, there's, there's different theories on this, but it said that assuming that the old school way is you used to print out the resume. Now everything's electronic, so it's a bit different. But in the old school way of printing it and putting it on a desk of the hiring manager, they would look at a resume for roughly 11 seconds before they decided whether or not they wanted to put them in a pile of potential candidates or move on. And so you are capturing the essence of that person in a very quick, brief, I mean, 11 seconds, That's it, it's hard to conceptualize. But the business objective of this, you know, you want to get people placed in positions, you want to get people to feel more confident with themselves. You talk a little bit about coaching as well. So talk me through the ideal client that you would like to have, who is the ideal client, and then how the process works. If I contact you and I want to work with you, how do you work with me from A to Z and getting that that interview and hopefully getting a position. Absolutely. Well, I think it would be helpful to just kind of baseline with my target market and people I typically work with are typically professionals, people who are already working, people who either want to career change or they're maybe just in their first job and they just kind of want to move around a bit. So typically how the process works is we just get on a quick 15 minute consult, just like baseline, where are you at? Where are your pain points? You might have a solid resume. I mean, you might have offers on the table already and you're you're that far into the process or you're already at the beginning, which is most people I would say, and they just, they're not getting the interviews. And there's a lot of reasons why people aren't getting interviews. And that's where I come in to say, well, you're lacking this. You don't have that. You're not doing it right. You're not, you've got to be competitive. And that's the biggest thing that I advocate for is you cannot be average. If you're average and you are like everybody else, then you're going to end up like everybody else and you're not going to get what you need. You've got to be aggressive. And that's why I push really hard 
So this leads into the process. And I will say my business is a little bit different in that. And I'm not going to compare names of other businesses or say that you shouldn't go to another resume business, that that's not your preference, you know, but the way that I work is it's a partnership. So for example, if you're Dustin and you're like married to your format and you really don't want me to touch it, that's fine. We'll work with that. Although I will tell you that mine is very effective. I'm going to always try to sell that. And I will say that 99.5% of the time people are like, yeah, do whatever you got to do. And they're like, I trust you, which is great. So most people are, are cool with, with what I do. And I literally go through and I just start shredding it. I, I get out the red pen. We work in Google Docs. I start putting all those review comments. Anybody in accounting knows that those review comments, you know, they're <laughs> annoying, very annoying, but it's with the intention to get you to where you need. So with that said, yeah, is that a lot of work? Yes. But anything that is important or anything that you want to have great value is going to take hard work. I don't want someone paying me a couple hundred dollars and then have me hand them over some piece of paper where they're like, oh, well, that's not what I wanted, or that's not what I had the vision of, or that's not what I was expecting. I want that feedback now, after the first iteration. We'll go through an iteration. I'll leave all my review comments. I'll make the changes and I'll make some writing edits. And then my customers have to do homework. Basically, they have to go through and they have to answer all the questions. They have to give me, I'll even say 100% of the time, I don't have all the information that I need because when I start reading things, I say, I don't understand what this means, or they didn't give enough context, or this isn't clear, or, and I just start shredding it. From there, I say, there's no obligation. If you don't need me anymore, or you don't want to, like, by no means, it's fine. You don't have to continue. But what happens when you do good work is what? you get more work. So again, 99% of the time they're like, Oh, but I don't know how to answer these questions or what are your thoughts on da, 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 da. And then it just keeps going and going. And next thing, you know, we've done like three, four, potentially more iterations than we had expected. So from a business perspective, the way that I've operated it is you don't know me no obligation. Let's just pretend you probably already had maybe a couple bad experiences with resume writers and you don't have the confidence that it's going to turn out well, and you don't want to invest in this because you're not sure. Fine. No obligation. Quick 15 minutes, minimal charge. We'll just talk. But usually I get people to the end of the process because I am good at what I do. I convince them that they need this and they do. And it shows. And then by the end of it, I just get an overwhelming. I love this. I even get people calling me saying, I got the job because of this resume. I've gotten feedback that my employer was just so impressed with how I wrote this. And I was like, how we wrote this, yeah. <laughs> right? And the feedback's just been amazing. Like it's good work works. Yeah. No, it's, it's clear that you're passionate about this. And so the, the product portfolio, I mean, a lot of it's tangible, right? You know, resumes, cover letters, but there is an intangible side to this too, right? So it's more coaching and, and, building up that confidence to make iterations. And I think that part of the issue with resume writing is if people are in a job for a number of years, they never touch their resume and they don't make those continuous updates. And then, you know, 10 years goes by and they're ready for the next move. And now you have to summarize everything that you did over the past decade. And that can be a challenge for a lot of people to come up with a good way to say, what have I done? 
what are other people looking for and how do I conceptualize and, and put this into text to get myself to the next level. Let's talk a little bit about your competitors and how you came up with pricing your, your time, because that ultimately is what your, your service is, and how you came up with pricing the services that you offer. Absolutely. So in terms of pricing, I will say I haven't really looked at the competitors only because I don't think that they operate more iteratively like I do. I mean, I've kind of poked around at top resume and I've seen their business structure and I have my opinions. I won't say what they are, but the way that I priced myself for now is I reached out to my network once again, being that resourceful person that I am and started price pointing what I think is a reasonable price for me. And what I hope to do is as the clients build and the need grows, then the rates will be what they are depending on what the need is and, and what's out there. Okay. So I saw that you have a website set up now. I saw that you have gone through the process of getting your LLC. Let's talk a little bit about that setting up the business process. Cause I think a lot of people hit the ground running with the product or service that they're offering but they forget about the marketing aspect or they forget about setting up the business or the financial aspect. And there's a lot of expert consultation that likely goes into this, but how did you get yourself into a formal business manner of becoming an LLC? And maybe talk me through some of the steps in that, that you would recommend other people consider when they're setting up their businesses. I will definitely start by saying, don't think it only takes one thing. And that is a very big LOL right there, because I thought, oh, I have my LLC. I am all set. Oh my goodness. Wow. I did not realize how much work it was that I'm like, oh, okay. So I definitely need a business account. So I did that. And then I'm like, okay, well, I definitely need to talk to my tax advisor. Okay. Now I definitely need to look at marketing. Okay. Now I, and then I'm like, oh my God, this is so much work. <laughs> and now that I'm kind of doing it all myself, it's just been a huge learning opportunity because I'm like, listen, I don't have a marketing background. I don't know what I'm doing in taxes. I don't know what I'm doing in any of this stuff, but I do have a financial background. So I at least know how to navigate banks and I'm really good at spreadsheet and number crunching, which is why I'm good at salary negotiation and all that stuff. I guess from the financial side, I feel like I'm solid because I also do like investment strategy stuff on the side. So for me, it's just, I have a spreadsheet already. Now, how do I just work it in a different way? Really? Sure. I mean, so for me, the financial part's easy, but when I start looking at, you know, my logo, I had a friend make it for me. I started getting advice from friends who were like, oh, if you do this, then you can do that. And teaching me through, again, being resourceful, getting help from friends. That's something else that's been very helpful throughout this whole thing is that if I didn't have the network that I have, I would not be where I am. I can literally say, and it's because of my friends that I got the logo that I have, that I have the website that I have, that I've got the marketing help that I have. I have tax friends. I have all kinds of friends in all the right places who are just giving me overwhelming support. And I will say part of that is because I've been doing this for so many years and chances are I've probably done their resume or helped them at some point. So this is almost like them returning the favor in a way. It's just been overwhelming all the support that I've been getting and I'm essentially getting it with no charge. And I'm like trying to pay people like my photographer last week. I'm like, Hey, can I take you out to lunch or something? Or can I do something for you? And he's like, no, 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 we're fine. And, but this is what happens when you just know people and you're friends with the right people. And I haven't really had to pay a whole heck of a lot at this point, which has been great. Yeah. I, that network is super crucial when you're starting your business. Also getting the word out there about your business. 
So we talked a little bit before, and you talked about the structural differences between W-2 and 1099, and how maybe there's some tax implications there that you probably didn't have at the forefront of your mind that maybe has come back into play. And you want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So actually, back when I was in New York, I was under the impression that this was something that I'd have to file quarterly. And my first thought was, oh, the administrative burden, I don't want to do that. But it wasn't until I actually made a phone call a couple of weeks ago where I was like, I called my tax person and I said, do I really have to file quarterly? And she was like, you're an LLC. You can just do it as a Schedule C. Oh, if it's that easy, then I'll just go ahead and file as a Schedule C along with my personal next April. No big deal. And then in the meantime, now I'm working with my investment consultant and working with him trying to figure out what is the best investment strategy whether that's month over month, or if I should do it at end of year, I do have my opinions again, because this is kind of what I do in my spare time. I like to crunch numbers and strategize, but I love having phone calls with Fidelity. Shout out to Fidelity Investments. They're a really great firm to do your finances with and investments, by the way. So for me, it's just kind of like that balance of talking to my investment people, talking to my tax advisor and trying to figure out, okay, what is the best overall strategy, knowing everything that I know. Again, like kind of going into this is where I coach people when they're like, oh, how should I negotiate my salary? I always say, I really hope you're not just negotiating your base. I really hope you're looking at Roth 401k and and other things that are very helpful in considering your total compensation package, not just base. Right. Yeah. Especially for executive level positions, looking for options or looking for maybe some intangible benefits that are available out there. And some things are set in stone and there's really a lot of, not a lot of wiggle room at some larger corporations, but if you're going into the startup world, that is like prime time for negotiations. So I've got a lot of friends in tech. There's typically a lot of wiggle room on some of those benefits. Let's talk a little bit about the marketing. So that's definitely, you know, based on what we're talking about here, not necessarily your background. So you have set up a website, you need to be posting on social media, you are claiming your page on Google. There's a lot of different aspects that go into that and steps, but also you need to maintain that. And, and it's probably, I know for, for me with the podcast, it's honestly more of an annoyance than anything, because that's not what I love doing. But tell me a little bit about how you have gotten more comfortable with the marketing and how you intend to market going forward. I will say I've gotten more comfortable with it from the perspective of now I know what I'm actually doing. And this is going to sound really terrible to say, but this is what happens when you don't have the background in it. I mean, I can tear apart a spreadsheet in finance, sure. but when you get me on any kind of marketing site to market myself, I don't even know the first button to click. I mean, it's that bad. So I've really had to do a lot of my own upskilling in that way to say, okay, how do I even do this? What's the most efficient way to do it? And now that I've got that kind of streamlined out to say, okay, I'm going to use this Facebook business suite. I'm going to simultaneously post it in two places at the same time to hit two networks. I'm going to really leverage content writing, which I'm hearing that content is king apparently in marketing, but you also have to have the following. So it's building that up. So again, this is just all the help that I'm getting from all my friends who are saying, well, if you do this, then you can do that. And you got to make sure that you have a certain cadence to it. I'm sure, Dustin, you're familiar with probably having your podcast maybe every week or whatever for consistency. So I actually now have a calendar time block that says this is my dedicated time for my content for the week. So that way I'm staying consistent with my pages aren't dead 
even if I already have work going on or I have clients who need things, just making sure that I'm giving some kind of value somewhere and to keep, keep your business name front of mind and, and still trying to grow that network. But for me right now, it's just kind of slow because since the business just got established, the business itself does not have that actual following yet. I have a following personally, I guess you can say delineate the difference between Stephanie and business. Let's talk about a little bit of the scalability of this and plans in the future. So here we are, we're in June, this will come out in July of 2021. What what do you see for yourself 2022, 2023 and going forward? That's a really good question. And I, I love that you're asking this because I actually have people knocking on my door asking me to like, hey, can I partner with you? Or hey, are you hiring a marketing person? Or hey, are you thinking about doing this or that? And I'm like, wait, let me just <laughs> yeah. slow it down. So as far as like the vision that I have right now, I'm going to be operating this myself for now. I have had a couple people come to me and say, Hey, you know, if you had like a whole department of like resume writers, then you can start really having the scalability much higher because then you can do this and that. And I said, yeah, but if you do that, and this is where I draw the line is I, and I don't mean to say this in the wrong way, but I can't teach somebody else how I consult. And for me to have, let's say a team of 10 people, for example, writing resumes, they wouldn't give the same advice they wouldn't have the same conversations that I have with my clients. And that's my fear is that even if I had, I don't know, a training class where I said, this is what Stephanie typically does. I'm going off of the 14 years of experiences that I've had. And I can't teach 14 years to 10 different people who may not give the same level of experience to my clients. And I don't want to potentially tarnish the name of my business because someone had a bad experience with resume writer one, two, three versus actually talking to me. So from that perspective, I'm not really liking the idea of having like a, you know, a workshop sweatshop of people, so to speak of cloning myself. Cause I don't think that would be really possible without compromising some level of quality. But in terms of scalability, I mean, I, since I'm not about that idea, I, I do have somebody who in the past was trying to partner with me, but I'm like, again, like I can't teach you. I don't know. So I'm still trying to ideate on that, which is the other reason why I didn't want to title the business name under my name, because who knows what if 10 years from now it grows into something else where maybe I do bring on either, I don't know, another person in some way, shape or form. I didn't want to limit it in that way. I don't really know what the future holds right now. I'm just trying to figure out what can I do now to have a consistent and good client base and continue to grow it, but not so far to the point where I can't handle it because at this point, I'm only one person. I don't want to go too hard, too fast. I have gotten some feedback from some of my marketing consultants who are like, yeah, this is really good. And you do realize that if this blows up too fast, you have to remember you are only one person. Oh, well, we're dreaming a little bit, but okay. That, and they're like, no, seriously, you got to be careful. Okay. Yeah. I think sometimes things blow up faster than expected. So that, I, I think that's sound advice. And, and I do like what you said though, because I know that if you go for some of these larger companies, you work for XYZ resume writer, you don't know who you're going to get. And from our discussion here and, and just talking to you in the past, your passion is actually working with clients and helping them to perfect their resume and get more comfortable in this process. If you bring on a team, you're now managing people and you're 
you're not necessarily getting that face time with clients as often. So that's a very different strategy. And maybe one day that will be the ultimate push, but you have time to figure that out. How many clients do you work with at any given moment currently? That's a good question. And actually right now I'm still in the testing phase, which I wanted to kind of shed some light on and the criticality of testing when you're starting a business, because ideally you're like, oh, well, this should all work right. I'll give a really good example. And the person I'm about to talk about knows who they are. I'm working with someone in Brazil right now. So I was like, hey, you'd be a really great test case because you're in another country. And I would love to really just find the bugs in my business and really be able to iron them out before any potential issues. Well, she has been an amazing test case because literally, I mean, she did not get the email notification that she was supposed to. She had issues with the payment. There was all this confusion. And my first thought was, what are all these issues? Where are they all coming from? Like in my head, this should work, but it's been a really good experience because she's been giving me really good feedback where she said, well, maybe if you put on your website, like spell it out for idiots like me, like she's not an idiot. She's a lawyer. So she's very intelligent, but she's like, maybe if you just make it a little bit more clear, then people who don't know you will know exactly what they're signing up for. And I was like, wow, that was great feedback. So I redesigned part of my website. So it's been a win-win because as I'm working with her, she's like, oh, well, if you change this on your website, then it would help me as the client. But then conversely, it's like, then I'm trying to figure out, well, why didn't you get my email? And it really was a simple thing of this girl literally has four emails. And I'm like, okay, well, can you check your third email? Because that's the email you gave me. So she's like, oh, that's my fault. So it's just been like a good back and forth of, although I'm not getting money from her, so to speak, the value is so much greater because now I'm finding out, oh, so I need to make sure that if you have four email accounts that you're giving me the right one, or, hey, if you're paying me through PayPal versus Zelle, that if you're international, you probably don't know about the other three platforms because in Brazil, they don't have Zelle. I didn't know that. So it's been a great learning opportunity for me. It's a mutually beneficial experience because she's getting amazing service that that she's happy with. I'm getting what I need to work out the bugs in my business and we're both winning. And so I say that to say, it's very, very important to do that now versus let's say my calendar is booked and I find out I'm working with someone in Germany because I have someone else, you know, in Germany who I work with. And what if there's issues with the payments? Cause in Germany, they don't have Zelle either or, you know, whatever you want to find that out. Now you don't want to find out six months from now when you do have an opportunity at your door with someone who's willing to pay and they go, wait, I didn't get your email and you got to work all that stuff out now. So I have basically a handful of people I'm testing with and making sure that it all works, getting all that stuff worked out because my vision is that when this does go big and I don't want to say like I have a go live date or something like that because I don't envision it really going like that. But once I have a really hard marketing push, then I don't want there to be like, oh, I can't get access to the document or I don't see your comments or, you know, any of these tech issues have to be resolved out. So that's what I'm working on now. So I've got to ask, Brazil, Germany, are these resumes in English or in their native tongue? That's a really good question. So the one in Germany that I did was in English, although there were some references to other things in France and Germany, and I'll admit some of the words I couldn't pronounce, but that's okay. That's why you Google it. (laughs) And the resume that I'm working on now for my client in Brazil, most of it is in English and English is actually not her first language. 
So that's another barrier is where she writes things and she's like, oh, but I don't know how to write it. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm not understanding what you're writing because it's, you know, that language barrier. I said, do me a favor, just brain dump me. What did you do? Don't perfect it. Just tell me what you did. I will work on the wording. And so it's been a really great collaboration because she just gives me the content and yeah, it might not read right, but I get what she means. And then I basically translate it into very effective, concise English that she needs to put on her resume. Yeah, you're, you're not learning Portuguese. What about with the, the people in these other countries? How are they finding you? A lot of it is my network. I have been very, very good about building my networks. Again, since 2007, I know a lot of people. Some of these people I haven't talked to in years, but even if I haven't, it really is as simple as, oh yeah, I went to school with that person like 12 years ago. I wonder how they're doing. Send them a message, see how they're doing. Then I'm like, oh yeah, so I do this on the side. And the next thing you know, they're like, oh, well, I have my son who needs help. And it just goes from there. So again, back to my joke, if you know me, then nine times out of 10, I've done your resume. So a lot of these people are just like people that I know from networking or they're my friends or they're like, oh, I know that you do this. Can you help me? I'm like, yeah, sure. Have you had repeat customers? Somebody that comes back years later that needs a refresh? Always. That's why I have a following. And and I don't mean to say that like to be cocky or anything, but it really is that when you do good work, you get more work. So I work with some people sometimes where I'm like, I just give some little advice and I think nothing of it. It's no big deal. Next thing you know, I get another email that says, "Are, are you able to do these things? And I'm like, yeah. And the next thing you know, they're calling again because they're like, well, now I don't know how to deal with the recruiter. Can you write emails? Yeah, I can do that too. <laughs> I just, I, I reel them in and I'm not even really trying, but that's what happens when that they have the confidence in you to help them. They ask for more. And so that's why it's gotten to the point where I haven't even marketed yet, but I have people coming to me because they're like, I'm just already known for this. Yeah. A little snowball effects. That's, that's always nice. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Every career path in professional services and in the business world typically has some type of certification. Some of them are a little bit of fluff just to add to your resume. I saw that in the career services, technical resume writing world, there are some certifications offered. Tell me a little bit about those. And do you think that they're actually necessary to run a business in this? Or is it somewhat of a money-making scheme, which some of these certifications tend to be? money-making and I don't, and I'm going to put it out there. I'm not going to say that if you want to get the professional services certification, I'm not going to deflect anybody from doing that. But my two cents from my business's perspective is that, do I really need a piece of paper to what further validate what I already do? And also to that point, I don't know if I would even agree with the things that they teach. Cause I do a lot of research seeing what other companies do. And I'm like, yeah, that's really terrible advice. I wouldn't do that. I mean, some of it I agree with, some of it I'm like, no way, that looks terrible. I mean, I've had people who I've looked at their resume and they're like, yeah, I paid $500 for this. And then I look at it and I'm like, yeah, this is why you're not getting results. And then I just start shredding it. I don't care if you have any kind of designation behind your name that you're a certified resume professional writer. If you don't get results, you don't get results. And a little CPRW or whatever the acronym is, designation on your name is not going to matter. So if you had gone to someone who had the designation, but at the end of the day, you're still calling me, what does that tell you? If if I really had to, if there at some point, somebody was like, you know, you'd be more 
valid if you had that credential. I mean, I'd entertain that thought if I ever needed it, but I don't foresee that I'll need it. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about some of the successful client stories that you've had. Is there one that comes to mind where somebody came to you, maybe a little helpless or or really needed that extra push and they landed a, a job that they've really been striving for? Not to be funny, but which one? <laughs> oh my goodness. Which is good because that means that people are getting what they need. I will say, I'll use my, my use case that I had someone out in Malaysia and she just was really just down in the dumps. And she was just like, man, I really don't like what I'm doing. I'm really not getting what I need. I need help. I don't know what my next steps are. I said, listen, let, let's just talk. Let's just get your thing going. I'll look at your resume. I'll write some stuff up for you. And she eventually landed a job that she is currently working in. And I hope she's still happy there. It was just so great. The day that she got the offer, I was one of the first people that she contacted. And she was like, I got an offer. I can't believe it. I'm so happy. And just being able to see that people are having their lives changed in a positive way. And that's just one example. I've had that multiple times where people come back to me and they say, hey, I got the job. And like, they'll actually update me and say, Hey, I, I heard back from the recruiter and I can't wait. And I'm so excited. And, and I said, you know, and I, I never want to take the credit, right? Because like, I'm your advocate. I am not the one who did it for you. At the end of the day, you are the one who went to work every day and worked your butt off and got your credentials and did what you had to do. I'm just the one who helped you put it all together to get what you need in terms of an interview or whatever else. I just helped you along the way. So it's not all of my doing. But when I do get messages of people saying, oh yeah, I talked to the recruiter today and they said I had an amazing resume. And I was like, yep, that was because of us and our partnership, you know, iterative refinement that we did. So I, I never want to say that it's because of me. It's always that partnership, but it's amazing to me. And it's the reason why I do what I do because of the stories of people coming back to me saying, and it's not just about like getting more work. I mean, I'm always excited about that too, but it's really the hey, I got the offer that I wanted, or I'm getting the phone calls that I needed, or I'm getting the traction that I wanted and I accomplished my goals. And, and for me, that's just, that's what gets me up in the morning. That's obviously why you do it. When did you become an LLC? In January of 2021. January. Okay. So let's look back before that. Advice that you would have given yourself before becoming an LLC, or let's go on a couple years back that you wish you could have given yourself as starting this process, getting this business off the ground and getting to the point where we are today? The biggest thing that I will say, and I believe that everybody who knows me is probably going to agree with me when I say this, is that I wish I had done it sooner. It is 2021. I've been doing this since 2007. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that, you know, five years ago, it would have looked the same. But I've been ideating on this since I was in New York, which was around 2013, 2014, where I started kicking around some ideas. I actually went to one of the places in New York where you establish business names. And I was actually going to call it like New York resumes. But state of New York was like, well, you can't do that because that has the word New York in it and you can't do that. And so I learned that the hard way. But I'm kind of glad that didn't work out because that, again, had the word resume in it. So that would have really pigeonholed me. So probably just wasn't meant to happen. But over the years, I kind of just have poked at certain things. I was going through some of my files the other day. And at one point in time, I, again, was thinking about it because so many people were calling me and I had set up an email account that was called Stephanie's resume, like so cheesy, but I've just poked at this for years. And now that I've actually done it officially, where it's an official LLC, I've got an official business banking account and everything. 
now I'm looking at it and saying, I really have been thinking about this since 2013, but I've had experience prior to that. I probably could have kicked this off like way sooner, but that's not to say that I made any mistakes in that. I just wish I had done it sooner, but maybe I wouldn't have all the experience that I have now. So maybe it was just meant to happen now, but that's probably the biggest thing that I would have done is just do it sooner and stop being afraid is the other thing, because I've had a lot of fears over the years of, oh, well, what if it doesn't work? And some advice that I got recently from one of my marketing consultants was, she goes, you're not asking yourself the right question. She's like, what if it takes off? That's what you need to be thinking about is what if it takes off? Not what if it doesn't work? You obviously have something good here. And I was like, wow, that really resonated with me in a good way. The fear factor, getting that out of your head and being ready to take that risk. I mean, yeah, it's something completely different. I've never done it before. And yeah, there's that risk because typically you go from job to job and you're like, okay, well, if I'm not happy here, if I want to make a move, then I have to do the traditional thing of update my resume and go apply and go interview and be like everybody else in the world. But it's that fear of, well, I don't know how much I'm going to make, or I don't know what's going to happen next, or I don't know what I'm doing or <laughs> any of that. Okay. So we're going to flip that question. This is one of my favorite ones. Five years from today, advice that you want to give yourself for the future. So you got to think a little futuristic here. What is something you want to tell yourself five years from today? Keep going. Just keep at it. Because the mentality that I've been having most recently is just do it. I am very known to be a planner. I like to strategize. I like to know what's next. I'm very methodical. Anybody who knows me knows this. And so I'm really pushing myself to say, you know what? Stop crunching the numbers. Stop looking at the spreadsheet. Just do it. You don't know what's going to happen and that's okay. It's a little scary. Actually. Yeah. It's very scary. Just get it done. So like, for example, yesterday I just got in my car. I just got stuff done. I'm not going to sit there and keep planning. Just do it. Okay. So we're going to play a little game. It's called bullish or bearish bullish thumbs up. You're very positive on something bearish negative. I'm going to throw either industry topics at you or business names. And we're just going to have a conversation and give me your reasoning. Why? So the first one is actually a little interesting because it sort of falls in that marketing scheme. Also a little bit of entertainment. So something that's a little new to most of us, I, I guess, is TikTok. And so it went from being a, an app that I had heard of a couple of years back and never used. And then, you know, with COVID, I downloaded it and now I find myself on it a couple of times a week. But what are your thoughts on TikTok? Are you bullish or bearish on it now that we're coming out of the pandemic and we're sort of going back to normal? Now, is this from the perspective of my business, I assume? Uh, yeah, it could be, or it could be just a perspective of what your thoughts are on the platform as a whole. I will say, well, from the business perspective, I am going to give it a thumbs down only because I've been getting feedback that when people go on TikTok, they're not thinking about their job. Yeah. At least they don't typically they're, they're looking at funny videos or whatever. So from a social media marketing standpoint, I'm really targeting things like LinkedIn, Facebook, other platforms that make sense. So to answer the TikTok question though, I mean, I only got on TikTok because of the business and I'll be honest, I was overwhelmed. I'm like, there's too many buttons on this. Yeah. I don't even know how this works. Y'all have time to do this. I, I don't even know how to like click this. Like I, maybe it's just, I'm too old. I don't know. But <laughs> The TikTok thing is like not, not my thing. I don't, I only have it because I thought it might be a marketing thing for my business. But then I was like, nobody's going on TikTok to really talk about jobs. So I was in the camp of bearish as well, but I did find that there is a pretty significant following for things like finance and people trying to learn that space. I just, 
am not good at making TikTok videos and I have no idea what I'm doing, like you said. So I will keep neutral on it for now. I think it's it's a platform that definitely took off and it grew. I just don't know what the long-term, you know, longevity of it is. It kind of reminds me of Vine back in whenever that was, 2010 or something. So maybe it'll die out, but it doesn't seem to be slowing anytime soon. Uh, let's talk a little bit about female entrepreneurs. So we have a lot more female-owned businesses. Forbes just put something out the other day, actually, to show that Fortune 500 companies, there are over 40 CEOs of Fortune 500 companies that are female now, which is the highest that it's ever been. Obviously, women are getting more involved in business, getting more involved in starting their own businesses. Let's talk about young females growing up today. Are you bullish or bearish on them getting the confidence and the platforms necessary to start their own businesses and succeed? I will say, and I don't know too much about this topic, but I would say more on the bullish side, because I feel like now that women are getting more empowered to do those things and they're getting the support, maybe they're having more confidence to do stuff like this. And I think I'm a really good example of this because over the years, I mean, my biggest struggle has been, well, what if it doesn't work? Or what if, you know, all that competition out there? I mean, I've been looking at the competition for years. My first thought was, oh, I can't compete with that. I think there's a lot more support in the fact that there are places out there that are advocating and saying, yes, get it going. And, and it's even a leverage. Someone last week told me that, hey, you have a woman-owned business. That could be a really good leverage for you. So I'll say bullish on that one. Yeah, I think there's a lot of support for female-owned businesses right now. And, and specifically just in this country, I think a lot of people are becoming more conscious of where they spend their money. So small business hopefully will survive. I think it's pretty pretty easy to support some of the big large corporations that we all know to get our items very conveniently. Hopefully we can be a little smarter about where we spend our money and what types of services we're supporting. So, and, and happens to be a lot of female-owned businesses now. So yeah, I, I'd say I'm bullish on that as well. So this is one that's gotten a lot of attention, I guess, in the last couple of weeks. And I'm curious when I release this episode, if it's died down by then, is going to be AMC. So obviously we've got the short squeeze coming and, and there's a lot of attention on the company for the fact of there's a lot of people making a lot of money on the stock right now. But let's talk about movie theaters as a whole. During the pandemic, most states closed their theaters. Some slowly started opening them at limited capacities. I think for the most part, most states have opened them up now. And Memorial Day was actually one of the busiest weekends for movies in several years, obviously. And they had over $100 million of revenue just in that weekend alone. Are you bullish or bearish on AMC and the movie theater industry in the next, let's say, five years? I will say bullish on that one because I think that although there's a lot of things that are going online, there's a lot of options for flexibility and stuff. I mean, we still have that human psychological factor of we just like being with other people and we like to go out and do things like normal human beings. So although this whole pandemic has thrown everything upside down for the most part, I don't think movie theaters are going to go away completely. I mean, some of them might not survive because maybe there's been a shift towards other things, but I still think, and I even checked out a movie theater yesterday in my local area because I actually thought it shut down. It just looked like it was dying. And I walked in there and I was like, oh, I guess it is open and it, people are in there. So I, I do think that they are still going to be around. Maybe the big ones will stay, but maybe some of the smaller ones might not, depending. I, I don't really know. I'm kind of iffy on that one. 
one thing that I've seen is a lot of the companies and production companies are actually releasing their movies direct to consumer at home. So putting them on HBO, if you have a subscription there, or Disney is now putting their movies directly on Disney Plus, and you can pay something like $20 to watch it at home and you quote unquote own it indefinitely. It's just not the same watching it in your living room versus going to the theater. So I'm, I mean, yeah. the pop, popcorn and everything. You got to have the experience, right? You got to have the soda next to you. You got to have the popcorn. You got to have your friends. You got to kick your feet up. You're not getting that. Everyone is all about experience. And, you know, that's, that's why I think Sports are going to have a huge year coming up. That's why I think concerts, whenever those start getting kicked off again, are going to be sold out. I think travel is going to be bumped back up because people have been craving, like you say, that, that human interaction. So this one's a little more catered to your industry and business. So in school, for those that are studying a specific trade or a specific career path, you tend to get really specialized knowledge in your field. So if you're studying business, you're going to learn a lot about business and finance and accounting and, and different areas of business. If you're studying health, you typically are going to you know, cater your interests to becoming a dentist or a podiatrist or whatever it may be. They don't do a lot in the world of professional development. So that could be things like networking, marketing, creating a good resume. And so Sometimes it's as simple as learning how to respond to emails and, and professionally communicate. Are you bullish or bearish on us taking a pause in our education system to say, hey, we need to develop these people not only to be good at the careers that they're chasing, but also to just be good communicators and learn how to professionally communicate with others to actually get their message out there appropriately? I will say to this one, there is a huge opportunity in the educational system for improvement. And I say that with the best of intentions, because when I came out of school, I thought I knew everything. I was like, I have a degree from university. I'm ready to go. Then I got to corporate and I learned a lot fast and everything from effective communication to the corporate politics, to the red tape, all that stuff is not taught in school. And I'll even go back to just how to have a basic and effective budget, how you manage your money, how to invest. Do we have classes in school about how to invest and all that type of stuff? I just learned this like a couple of years ago where I called my investment guy and I said, I'm looking at these numbers and I'm not sure I'm liking them. What's this about? I should have had that conversation like 10 years ago, because if I did, the trajectory that I would have had on my investments would have been so much greater. But I just wish I had learned this stuff when I was in school, because you can learn about accounting and debits and credits, but none of that stuff is going to matter unless you're actually working for an accounting firm where you're going to need to work in general ledger accounts, or think one of the more basic fundamentals that every person should know is investing, how to manage money, how to navigate banks, These are basic life things that it doesn't matter if you work in finance or marketing or consulting or you're a lawyer, it doesn't matter. You are still at the end of the day going to need to have a budget. And I think the education system, I mean, they do an okay job by teaching like financial accounting and managerial accounting and all this stuff that, you know, quote unquote, you need to know, but where's the budget class? Where's the, Hey, a day in the life of you're going to go work at this job now. Do you know how to deal with the politics? Do you even know what that is? Because that's a big deal and it can get you in some situations. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I started this podcast because I think that 
a lot of us end up going into professional careers and we do our jobs and we are, are kind of faced with these challenges that we don't necessarily know how to interact and you know communicate with. And look, the, the professional communications is somebody else's message, but we need to learn how outside of our jobs to manage a mortgage, manage a car payment, work with a credit card and how to understand the implications of not paying your bills on time. And unfortunately, we don't teach those things in school and people are 35, 40 years old and they look back and realize why their net worth is a fraction of what it should be. We unfortunately didn't set them up for success to begin with. I do want to give a shout out. Ramit Sethi, I don't know if you know him. I don't know. Look him up. He's great. I did a lot of reading on his stuff and he is amazing. I've learned a lot just from the one book of his that I read. It's called, I will teach you to be rich. And it's not rich in the sense of money. It is rich in the sense of a rich life, meaning living an intentional life. He's also very good with money, but he's hilarious. So I just wish that we almost had like a class, like a remit Sethi class back in high school or college to say, Hey guys, this is kind of the stuff that you need to know now life skills, <laughs> life skills before you get out there and before you start taking on all this debt with your education, before you go get that nice car that you want to get, but did you take a, take a look at the interest rate? Did you see what kind of payments you're going to have to make? Do you know what that's going to do to your credit? Did you think about your investment potential? Did you look at insurance, any of this stuff? Yeah. And kids these days are probably like, okay, have no idea what you're talking about. And that's a problem. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move on from that. I want you to briefly summarize what you want everyone to know about solar plexus and the resume building world. I guess I would just say I'm here if you need me. And that's typically what I tell people is that people typically come to me for a resume. I mean, not so often for a cover letter, but I do get a lot of people saying, Hey, I'm getting ready for an interview or I need help negotiating this, or I need this, or I need that. At the end of the day, it's just bottom line is they need something. So I guess my message is just, I'm here. Let me know when you need me. We'll, we'll get through it. Excellent. Well, thank you, Stephanie. I really appreciate you coming on and I will leave all of your information in the description. I really want everyone to check out Solar Plexus and to get your resume building needs taken care of and to get that next career that you've been searching for. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. This was another great interview on the Business of Business, the interview series on finance fundamentals, and I'm really glad that you joined me for this. Stephanie, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I really do appreciate your perspective on networking, and I really think that you are an important player in finding our next roles and reaching our career aspirations. Reach out to her if you have questions or need help. Join me next week for another great interview. Together, we'll own that road to financial freedom, and I'm really glad you're joining me for it. I want to hear from you. Have a topic you'd like discussed? A suggestion? You can contact me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email, and more. Check out the description for my link tree. I look forward to hearing from you. The show is written and edited by me. Produced and edited by Daniel Rue. A lot of work goes into these episodes, and we really hope you enjoyed them.